Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. On this program, we're going to talk about the incarnation. Now, not reincarnation. Reincarnation is a Hindu concept that you keep coming back to this planet maybe as a person again or a cow and when you finally empty yourself of the bad karma you get absorbed into the universe and become nothing <clears throat> well the bible teaches no you only die once hebrews 9:27 it is appointed to man to die once and after that comes judgment christians believe you only die once today we're going to talk about the incarnation which is entirely different what is the incarnation the word karnos in greek means flesh the incarnation is the day god became flesh it only happened once that's when jesus was born at bethlehem what i want us to do for this program is learn all that we can from the incarnation of god into the human flesh of jesus christ let's pray Father, if there's anyone watching this program who doesn't quite yet know who exactly Jesus is, that you will speak to them in this, this program. Lord, bring us each to a deeper understanding of who our Savior is. We ask this in his name. Amen. Would you please take out your Bible to a great chapter, an important chapter of the Bible, Philippians chapter 2, the ancient church of Philippi, Paul writes them a letter to explain who Jesus Christ is. Let's look. Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 3. Paul writes, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important or better than himself. Here's the first lesson I want you to get today. Count others better than yourself. Can I ask you to do something right now? Get in your mind one person you don't like. Well, the Bible says you are to count that person as better than yourself. Now, you might say, yeah, but you don't know. Pastor Tom, I... This guy's awful. He, well, no, it doesn't say that he, you, he is better than yourself. It says you're supposed to count him as better than yourself. That's what you, you know, we're not better than Jesus Christ, but he counted us better by coming down to earth for our salvation. There's a story that there was a Chinese king, a most loving, wonderful, humble king, and one day a little boy went to the palace and asked to see the king. And the king granted him the audience and the little boy walked into the throne room and, Sir, my parents say you're the best king, the most loving, kind king we've ever had. What makes you so different from the other kings? And next to the throne was a box. And the king opened the box he took out a dirty old yellow robe and he said, little boy, before I was a king, 
I was a slave. I wore this robe as I worked the fields. And if ever I get tempted to think I'm better than anybody else, I take out this robe and remember who I was. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do you ever get tempted to think you're better than other people? What God tells us to do at that point, remember who you were, B.C. I watched a documentary on the Green River Killer, a mass murderer. Once he gets caught, he goes on trial. At the end of the trial, the family members get to get up and tell him how he has devastated their lives. One man got up and said, I'm glad you were caught, and I'm glad you'll be spending eternity in hell. And then an old man got up and he said, what you have done has so devastated our family, but my God tells me to forgive you. So I forgive you for what you've done. I think that was this man's way of counting this mass murderer as better than himself. Let's look at verse 4. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Here's the next lesson. You are free to care for others if you believe God takes care of you. I mean, if, if you don't think God's going to take care of you, you obsess about yourself and how am I going to do this? Or that. But if you're freed from that, no, God will take care of me. Then you're free to care for others. I mean, there are poor people in Africa who are good givers to missions. And they may be poor, but they think, well, I, God will take care of me if I give this money away. <laughs> but there are rich American Christians who can't give. And, and I saw this on a documentary. When people in Africa want to catch a baboon, what the, the uh, natives there will do, they'll take a gourd, they'll cut a hole in the top, and they'll put a bunch of nuts in the gourd. They'll seal the top, then they'll cut a little hole in the bottom. At night, a baboon comes, and he'll, he'll fill it full of nuts. At night, a baboon comes, sticks his hand up inside the gourd. Now he's got a handful of nuts, and he can't get his hand out. But it's a greedy baboon, and it won't let go of the nuts. So in the morning, the, the Africans come with gunny sacks and cut, catch the baboon. <laughs> Is that you? Let me ask you, do you own your possessions? Or do your possessions own you? You are free to give to others only when you are trusting God is going to take care of you. Let, look at verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now here's who Jesus is. Verse 6. Who, although he existed in the form of God. That's a hugely important verse. Next lesson. Jesus is God. See all these verses? You might want to take out a piece of paper and a pencil. You might want to write down those verses. Here are just some of the verses in the New Testament that teach that Jesus is God. And do you understand that? I, I, got, I was on a radio show. I had somebody call in. Well, Pastor Brock, you just said Jesus is God. And I said, yes. 
Well, at my church, I, I was taught Jesus is the Son of God. And I said, that's true too. He's both. <laughs> and you know, I, I'll share with you when my light bulb went on. I was raised in the church, a good conservative biblical Lutheran church in Omaha. And I'm 12 years old sitting in confirmation class. The first thing the pastor teaches us is the Trinity. One God and three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is God, the Father is God, the Holy Spirit. My hand went up. I said, Pastor Ruff, I thought Jesus was the Son of God. Well, he is. He's also God eternal with the Father. And, this. and, and you know, I remember getting a little angry. And I said, well, Pastor, how come this church has taught me a hundred times about Noah and the ark? Nobody ever told me Jesus is God. <laughs> but that's when the light bulb went, went on for me. Um, and, and look at the, the uh, uh, rest of verse 6, Philippians 2, verse 6. Jesus, though he existed in the form of God, that's for eternity before the world was made, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Let me explain those, the word grasped. Here you go. Before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, before Adam and Eve, before the world was created, Jesus existed as God with the Father and the Spirit, one God and three persons. But then came Bethlehem. And it, it is as if God the Father said, Son, will you leave heaven now and go down to earth and become a human being? And what did Jesus say? No, no, I'm going to grasp. I'm going to hold on to all this power and glory. I'm not leaving heaven. I, I want to... No, he didn't say that. He emptied himself. He let go. He didn't grasp. And he went down to earth for our salvation. That is what did not grasp means in verse 6, verse 7. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Now the question is, emptied himself of what? Theologians have pondered that for centuries. Well, he didn't empty himself of being God. When Jesus became a human being, he was still God. But he did empty himself of some of the power and glory he had in heaven as God. Did you ever read Mark Twain's book, The Prince and the Pauper? The prince, for a while, becomes a pauper and dressed in rags. He was always still the prince, but he also became a pauper for the story. Well, Jesus was eternally God. When he became human, he was still God, but he didn't have all of the power and glory he had when he was in heaven. There is a quote from C.S. Lewis. Here's a seashell. And C.S. Lewis said, Imagine fitting your whole body down to live inside a shell and you will get a glimpse of what it must have been like for God to become a man. Look at verse 7. He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being found in the likeness of men. I think that word slave should cause awe and wonder in us that the creator of the universe, the eternal second person of the Godhead, came down to earth and became a slave on one of his planets. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. Have you ever been to Mount Vernon out in Virginia, the big plantation mansion of George Washington? And I, I've toured that, it's a gorgeous mansion. Around the corner are about four or five little huts where his slaves lived. Washington owned slaves. But what would have, can you imagine this? One day George says, Martha, 
I'm not living in the mansion anymore. The rest of my life, I'm going to go around the corner. I'm going to become a slave on this plantation. I'm going to live in one of those huts. That's what Jesus did at the incarnation. <laughs> he became a slave. And I, I, Bill Bright was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, huge mission group, brought millions of people to faith in Christ. And Rick Warren asked him years ago when he was still alive, uh, Bill, why did God choose to bless your life so much? Bill Bright responded, when I was a young man, I made a contract with God. I literally wrote it out and signed my name at the bottom. It said, from this day forward, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bill Bright did that because he knew Jesus first became a slave for him. <laughs> Let's look at the rest of verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man. Here's the next lesson. Jesus is true God and true man. The Bible teaches Jesus is totally God, and it also teaches he really totally became a man. There were two heresies in the ancient church. One is called Arianism. Arius taught Jesus isn't really God. But there was a second heresy taught by the Docetists who taught Jesus didn't really become a man. And if you don't want to be a heretic, and you don't, you've got to maintain, no, no, Jesus is truly God, and he is truly man. Look at verse 8 again. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now everybody look at just at verse 8 and answer this. How does verse 8 define the word humility? He humbled himself, how? By becoming obedient. And that's the next lesson today. Humility is obedience. The, the most humble person on earth is not the person who's, oh, I'm so evil, I'm so wicked. No, no. The most humble person on earth is the most obedient person. So let me ask you a question. I'm not asking if you're perfect, nobody is, but generally, are you obedient to God? Then you're humble. Generally, are you rebellious against God? Then you're arrogant. <laughs> Humility is obedience. Look at verse 9. Therefore, because he humbled himself, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him, Jesus, the name which is above every name. I want you to notice something. What Jesus gave up and didn't grasp in verse 6 he gets back and more so in verse 9, which leads to the next lesson. God rewards humility. Just listen to these verses. Matthew 23, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. James 4, uh, uh, humble yourself uh, before God and he will exalt you. 1 Peter 5, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due time he will exalt you. You think God's trying to tell us something? <laughs> well, what he's saying is, if you humble yourself and obey God, in God's timing, he will exalt you. Here was a, a, a pastor who preached quite well, and he wanted to be on national television. And 
he prayed about it and, and his, he, he kind of sensed, no, just wait, no. But one day he happened to get on television to preach a sermon and the head of a national Christian network happened to tune in and see him preach. And the head of the network said, this man is anointed. We need to get this guy on national television. And they did. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due time he will exalt you. I mean, imagine everything that had to come together. The, the guy had to be just on TV the right time. The guy had to turn the channel. Just, I mean, but God's a big God. He can do that kind of thing. <laughs> Humble yourself. Verse 10. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those who are in heaven, that's the angels and the saints, and on earth, that's us, and under the earth, that's probably not a reference to demons, it's probably a reference to the dead. So here's the next lesson. One day, everyone will bow, willingly or not. <laughs> emperor Diocletian, the Roman emperor that killed countless Christians, the last day he's going to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. I've got an abortion clinic, Planned Parenthood, that just opened a couple minutes from my house. One day the people that are killing babies in there, they're going to bow the, the knee to Jesus Christ. The Supreme Court of the United States, whether they're believers in Christ or not, they're going to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. The pornographers are going to bow the knee to Every human that ever lived is going to bow the Satan one day willingly or not, and for him it's going to be not, uh, will have to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. I love the old song that comes from this very verse. He is Lord, he is Lord, he is risen from the dead and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And one last verse, verse 11. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, notice, to the glory of God the Father. Now look at that verse and answer this question. What glorifies God? The answer is, when you confess Jesus Christ is Lord. I mean, let's talk about the glory of God. Do you, do you understand that this universe is not about you? <laughs> It's about him. This universe was created not for your glory, for the glory of God. And according to that verse, how do we glorify God? When we confess Jesus Christ is Lord. On a previous uh, program, I told you that I survived COVID. Horrible experience for 17 days. For four of those days, I was praying, God, can I die? Can you get me out of this? I hated it. But maybe on my very worst night, I, I back up, I've got family and friends that I don't know where they're at spiritually. I've talked to them about Jesus, and I don't think they want to hear it anymore. And I have wondered, if I go into their deathbed someday, am I going to bring Jesus up? Because they've heard it, and I don't think they want to hear it again. And I've really, that's causing me a little bit of, what am I going to do? Well, so I, one night, I'm thinking I'm dying. <laughs> so I write a text to my loved ones, a couple of my friends, and I, dear so-and-so, and I basically said, I love you, and I don't know if I'm going to make it through the night, but I want you to be in heaven someday. And, and, I, and you need Christ to be saved. And please get into a good Bible-preaching church and put your faith in Christ for your salvation. I listed some Bible verses. And 
then I had to decide whether to push the send button. And I had to pray. And I finally thought, why not? And I pushed the button and I sent it to my family and to my friends and well now they've heard it again from me. That was the bright spot in that horrible 17 days. But we're on earth, Christian, to glorify God. How do we do that? According to this verse, Philippians chapter 2, we glorify God we can, when we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Those are the lessons we learn from the day God became incarnate when the second person of the Trinity took on human flesh. We believe in one God, three persons, and, and the second person of God actually came to our planet for our salvation. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we ask Pastor Brock questions regarding the Bible. Pastor Brock, our first question today is, do all Christian denominations teach that Jesus is God? All Christian denominations teach that Jesus is God. All Christians, Lutherans, Catholic, Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterians, non-denominational Christians, Pentecostal, they all teach that there's one God in three persons, God the Father who made us, God the Son, Jesus, God the Holy Spirit, not three gods, one God in three persons. What is tragic, Mona? The United Church of Christ is the most liberal, far, farthest to the left of all the Christian denominations. Well, in recent years, they've decided you don't have to believe in the Trinity. You don't have to believe that Jesus is God to be a United Church of Christ pastor. That is tragic. The Puritans, which is their ancestors, would be spinning in their graves. So overwhelmingly, yes, all Christian de denominations teach that Jesus is God and in the Trinity. Yeah. Okay. And I, don't, I think if you deny that, you're not a Christian denomination mm -hmm. anymore. Now, a lot of UCC people do believe in the Trinity, but you don't have to anymore. That is tragic. That is tragic. Yeah. What is docetism? We talked about docetism. Dakao in Greek means to seem like. Okay. And there were ancient false teachers in the church who said, well, God would not really become a man because then he'd become sinful and material. So it looked like Jesus was a man, but he didn't really become a man. And the, er, the early church condemned that teaching because if Jesus didn't really become a man, then he didn't pay for mankind's sins. He had to be a man. Now, he was the perfect man. He never sinned, but he had to become a man to pay for mankind's sins. So fully God and fully man. Yeah. Um, are Christians required to tithe? Isn't that an Old Testament law for Jews yeah. only? In the Old Testament, the Jews had to give 10% of their crops okay. to, to the Levites, the, the uh, priests at the temple, etc. So I, here's, here's my thought. Does the New Testament say you have to tithe? Actually, it doesn't. Paul, the New Testament principle is Paul says, give as you may prosper. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. So. I remember a man in my church saying, well, therefore, Pastor Brock, see, I don't have to tithe. And I said to him, well, wait a minute. If the Old Testament Jews who knew this much about the love of God right. were to be moved to give, New Testament Christians who, knew, who know this much mm -hmm. that God would go to the cross for our, our salvation, would we be inspired to give less or more than an Old Testament Jew? And I had him. <laughs> now, I don't, I don't know if he bowed the knee to that, but I think Christians in America, we're about the richest nation. Christians at least should tithe. 
Should we tithe to the church and then uh, give to other now, organizations? Now here's what I do. I'm not saying there's a verse on this. I'm just telling you, my, I like to give my 10%, my tithe, to my local church where I attend. Okay. But then my offerings above and beyond that, I give to overseas missions, I give to the persecuted church, Voice of the Martyrs, or ICC. So uh, that I give wherever I want. Okay. Yeah. Some TV preachers say that if you give, God will give you back more. Mm -hmm. Is this true? It's true, but not the way some of them preach it. I, I will not tell you the m name of this preacher, but he's, he's the worst preacher on television. And he'll look in the camera and say, you know, I prayed for $500. The next day I opened up my mailbox, $50,000. That's because I gave $500 to this ministry. And if you give me $500, I mean, he, the, he, he makes it sound like if you give him money, he's mm -hmm. never asking for missions overseas. He's asking for money. If you give him money, you're going to be, be prospering tenfold. That, that is evil. I wish that guy was, uh, you can tell he's about, he's using the Christian gospel for money, which stinks. But here is the principle. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Right. Pressed over, running over. So yeah, so if you give, you will be blessed, but not necessarily monetarily. There's all kinds of ways God can bless oh, you. Yes. So when I give money to the Lord or to a Christian mission, I don't sit there and waiting, okay, now where's my $50,000 back? Is it coming in the mail today? <laughs> yeah, it will be coming someday, <laughs> but not necessarily in this life, yeah. All right. If one day all will confess Jesus is Lord, does that mean all will ultimately be saved? Some people misinterpret that verse from Philippians 2. Everyone will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. And they look at the verse and say, well, see then, everybody's going to heaven because they're confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. My response is, yeah, you, you, they will confess Jesus Christ as Lord, whether they want to or not. Satan one day will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. That doesn't mean he's going to be saved. Well, when it says every knee shall bow, is that including Inclu that? Everybody willingly or not are going to okay. have to bow the knee to Christ. That doesn't mean everybody's going to be saved. Okay. Yeah. If I don't talk to people about Jesus, does that mean I won't be saved? I don't want to say that. You know, we're saved only by what Christ did on the cross. We're not saved by sharing the gospel, tithing, speaking in tongues, praying. What saves us? When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Our salvation is complete. He paid for our sins, so now I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and going to heaven. Uh, if, you never, if you never talk to anybody about Jesus, mm -hmm. I think you got to ask, something wrong going on here. Mm -hmm. If I love him, if he's the most important thing in my life, am I going to hide that under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine, like the old song says. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm not saying you're not saved, but I, you need to pray about, Lord, help me open my mouth. How do you start that conversation? I know you said when you were sick, you wrote to your friends and family, I, but how do you start it? Well, you know, sometimes you don't have a conversation. You, you write a letter mm -hmm. or you send a text. That's what I did uh, when my family was, uh, when I had COVID. So um, sometimes you can't get it out in words because they won't listen to it. Mm -hmm. I like having little gospel tracks. Mm -hmm. I mean, I often, uh, oops, we're almost out of time. We got to quit. Say goodbye, Mona. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. May you be blessed and see you next time on The Pastor Study. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.